everybody, welcome to another edition of Two Strike Noise, your weekly baseball history podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Jeff. Joining me, as always, from the Seattle studio is my co-host, Mark A. Johnston. Mark, how you doing? Oh my gosh, I couldn't be better. I mean, there are rumors of baseball. There is baseball on my television. You know, I mean, it's like uh, I'm still starving, but at least I got something in my stomach. <laughs> well, let's, there's always hope. There's first of all, do you do you think there's going to be baseball this year? I man, it's hard to say because this whole, you know, it all revolves around the money and it's just looks like they're the sides are pretty far apart. But I'm holding out hope. Yes, I, I, I think we're going to have baseball this year. I don't know if it's going to be this 80 game plan that they had set out or what, but um, I still think we're going to do something. Yeah, well, I am. I am not quite as <laughs> I am not quite as. Uh, sure about that as you optimistic but uh, we'll keep our fingers crossed i do have some bad news though i think you have something to bring up regarding the topic that will never die <laughs> on this pregame show yeah i uh we had another one a listener write in and uh, the uh it's the trivia question about who had the most hits as a yankee and a met combined and we've had about 14 different answers <laughs> and we keep correcting him and then somebody will go actually guys that's uh, not right so jeff do, do you think you have the actual right answer to this trivia question today i don't well i thought i thought we did last week and before that i thought we did the week prior <laughs> but people keep keep sending us emails or dms saying oh that's great but what about and i think we might have an end to this saga now you know, we talked about we talked about Robinson Cano having all his hits with the Yankees and then his one year with the Mets. Last week, we had Willie Randolph, who, of course, played with the Yankees for a while and then had one season with the Mets. Well, we've forgotten about one player that played his almost his entire career with the Yankees and then played one season with the Mets where he where he garnered two hits. <laughs> but it counts. It does. By definition, Hall of Famer Yogi Berra. <laughs> now, I remember bringing that up, but I was wrong. And now you're saying I'm right. I, I I'm saying, as far as I know, I don't remember you bringing up Yogi Berra, but it was my only guess. <laughs> That's the only one I could come up with. Oh well, you might have guessed it. And I, since I didn't have that answer down, I might have said no. But so Yogi Berra had 2,150 hits with the Yankees. And two with the with the Mets. <laughs> it's still a definition. Yeah, so I mean that that beats our our previous high of Willie Randolph. So of course he was with the Yankees for eighteen years. He played four games with the Mets in nineteen sixty five, and get he got two hits there. So this counts, yep. and the, I'm just, I'm not going to say it's the definitive answer. I'm just going to say he's the leader in the clubhouse because we can't get this right. <laughs> our, our our listeners are very astute. They are, and keep them coming. And you know what? This is just going to lead me next week. We're gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna look up and see if I could come up with uh, the most hits combined for White Sox and Cubs. Oh no! And then I'm gonna do the uh, the Angels and the Dodgers, and then the A's and the Giants. You and know, the if, if Marlins and the... If they can potholes all over the lawn, you're eventually going to step in one and break your ankle. I have no idea what that means. 
Well, I figure if I do this, this is content for years because we'll never get it right. So it'll just keep <laughs> going on, be, and on. We'll just call it the never ending question. And then we can just start doing random teams like the Royals and the Braves. Uh, about the Yamaguri <laughs> Giants. We, oh, sure. We just make it. We'll make it all over the world. But all right. So anybody's got better than Yogi Berra with the 2152 total. Bring it to us because I, I think that's got to be the, the, the answer. I think so, too. Then again, I've thought that before. Yeah, we thought that before. All right. So I had something fun I found on on Twitter. Uh, there is a guy named Benjamin Hill. who's a, I've been following him for quite some time on Twitter. He does a lot of minor league stuff. He visits a lot of parks, does a lot of writing on minor league stuff, but he does a lot of fun stuff. And he posted a family feud style question regarding baseball. I want to see what, what answers you can come up with. Oh, man, I'm in the hot seat again. Yeah, it is. But this should be up your alley. So name a baseball term that a person might use to describe what happened on their worst date. Uh, strikeout? Strikeout, sure. Um, I think that would play. That would be up there. How about... Um, Failing to get to second base? Yeah, I, I was trying to come up with something with a pop-up, but they all sounded bad. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, yeah, we're trying to keep it. We're trying to keep it safe for work here. I, I've got some of the top answers here. Maybe this will spur your memory. Uh, we got a walk off. A yeah. walk off. Okay. A walk off. Uh, defensive indifference. <laughs> <laughs> this was my favorite, though. And it's something that we've covered on this show. You in particular. Merkel's boner. <laughs> yes. As we called it. Merkel's blunder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I think calling it Merkel's boner in this case makes it funnier. Oh, absolutely. So I have been spending my time, this is a long holiday weekend, I've been spending my time thus far watching classic games from the 80s, some playoff games. Uh, I watched the 86, uh, game six of the 86 series where, uh, you know, Buckner had the had the air, obviously. But wow, just a great game all around anyway. Yeah. I watched... For, uh, let's see, the other night I watched the 91 Twins Braves. I watched Game 7, Jack Morris versus John Smoltz that went 10 innings. What a great game. That's a that classic, was, absolute That class. was so much fun to watch. And what I liked about that is Jack Buck on the call. Yeah. Which was great. Yeah. I, I'm, you know, I, I, I don't hate on Joe Buck as much as some people, but I think he's just, a, I think he's very vanilla. I mean, he's got to be because he does everything. But, man. Jack Buck was was great. He had it down. I watched also for some reason. I watched Game One of the 1988 World Series. Why would you do that to yourself? It was a fantastic game. Did you and turn it Vin off Scully and Vin Scully. There you go. No, no, but Vin Scully and Joe Gargiola were doing the call. It was fun just to watch. I mean, it was a great game regardless. But um, was the back of the batter's box missing? <laughs> well of course it was because that's joe's thing and joe is going to play a part of our pregame show here shortly uh, but vin scully being vin scully dropped this and i i used to know this and i completely forgotten it but vin scully nugget carney lansford one of my favorite third baseman of all time favorite a's of all time is a direct descendant of sir francis drake Vin dropped that one in the broadcast. <laughs> Vin was also talking about Willie Stargell. And for some reason, 
I, I mean, it's cool. He kept calling Willie by his proper first name, his given first. Do you, do you know what Willie Stargell's given first name is? I'm guessing it ain't William. Not William? Not Wilbur? Nope. Steve? Wilver. W-I-L-V-E-R. Wilver. Wilver. Wilver Stargell. Wow. So, <laughs> that was funny. Uh, but then Jose Canseco was up and... Vin starts railing on these steroid accusations against Jose Canseco and how they're not fair. And then Joe Garagiola jumps in and goes, I agree. This is this is ridiculous. The guy's still <laughs> growing. He's a big guy. Blah, blah, blah. And they kept talking about this. Oh. And then his next at bat, they had video of Jose saying, yeah, I'm I don't like it. These people are saying these things. They don't know how it hurts me. And <laughs> oh, my God. Which is a, Complete 180 from what Jose Canseco would say, you know, a decade and a half later. Right. Vin and, and Joe jumping on the, the, the bandwagon to protect Jose Canseco. Just yeah. being water carriers for the, for the league uh, at that point. That's, that's kind of the whole, I remember that time and it was kind of the whole attitude was, hey, hey, leave him alone. But I mean, it's still that way. When, when we make fun of the Bucks and the Costases and stuff, it's, they, are, they are there to make the league look good. So that's they're true. not going to hammer on guys too much but another thing that i found really interesting and i saw it all the way even in the 91 world series in game seven so they've already this is the fourth game in minnesota they introduced the starting lineups like out there on the foul lines still for every game in the world series really for each game yeah, each game. So game seven, and there, you know, here's manager Tom Kelly, and he runs out to home plate and shakes hands with uh, Bobby Cox, who, you know, they've already been introduced, and I thought it was really interesting. I would love for that to come back. I, I love the starting introductions on the, on the Lions for every game. Yeah, those are always cool. But what was interesting is that Vin Scully during this game, during the 88 game, he mentioned that Kurt Gibson was so injured he couldn't even come out to the foul line to be introduced as a non-starter. <laughs> That's how injured he was. He and then at one point, I because I kind of live tweeted part of the game. At one point, he said, "Oh, Gibson's not on the not on the bench. Can't find him there. That means certainly we're not going to see him tonight." <laughs> and when Costas was interviewing Gibson after the game, Gibson said, yeah, I was down in the tunnel and I heard Vin say I wasn't going to wasn't going to be available tonight. And that just made me want to do it more. So thanks, Vin. Yeah, Vin. What's up with that? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's jump into our debut segment. Uh, this show is debuting on May 26th. I've got two debuts here. Kind of slim pickings. Uh, one is uh, back in 1899 on this day. A player made his debut for the Cleveland Spiders. The famous, the infamous Cleveland the, Spiders. Exactly, the infamous Cleveland Spiders. If you have not heard our episode on the 1899 Cleveland Spiders, I implore you to do so. I had a ton of fun on that episode. Check it out. It's, it's almost unbelievable. <laughs> it is. So making his debut on this day in 1899 was Charlie Nepper. K-N-E-P-P-E-R. I'm assuming that's Nepper. Yeah, like Bob Nepper. Like Bob, that's how I came up with that pronunciation. <laughs> now, they, there was no box score available for the game, but the Spiders, to nobody's dismay, lost to the Baltimore Orioles 12 to nothing. Shocking. Nepper was a pitcher, so it's a pretty good chance Charlie took the loss in this game, 12 to nothing. Uh, he only played for one season. That was the 1899 season. He went 4-22, and which... 
could I, I forget that was pretty close to leading the team in wins that year. Oh, four wins for the Spiders. Yeah, <laughs> uh, he finished with a as I said, four twenty two record, a five point seven eight ERA. He threw two hundred and nineteen innings. Two hundred nineteen innings of really bad ball. So in that two hundred nineteen innings, he gave up three hundred and seven hits, a hundred and ninety runs. He walked 77 and only struck out 44. And his uh, his ERA for this season was a minus 1.7, or his war, I'm sorry, was a minus 1.7. My gosh. You know what, though? He got to play professional baseball. That's right. <laughs> uh, second debut is somebody that we just talked about earlier in the show. Joe Garagiola made his debut for the Cardinals today in 1946. Joe Garagiola went one for four in the first game of a doubleheader against the Reds. Um, that lineup, though, that he was in with the, with the Cardinals, l- listen to this. He had Red Shondist, Stan Musial, Enos Slaughter, and Dick Sisler. All, in the, line, lineup all in the lineup. That's amazing. Uh, the Cardinals went on to win the World Series that year, his rookie season in 1946 versus Boston. Joe actually hit 316 in the World Series. He was always a pretty good hitter. He just wasn't a great catcher. He played nine seasons for several different teams. And in 1970, he noted this. It's not a record, but being traded four times when there were only eight teams in the league tells you something. I thought I was modeling uniforms for the National League. That's awesome. That's that's awesome. That's good comedy. Of course, Joe went on to broadcast, uh, eventually being teamed with Vin Scully on NBC's A-Team. They would call the game of the week on Saturday, which, as we've discussed, like for me, that was one of maybe two live baseball games I would get to see every week. He also went on, you know, they did the playoffs, the all-star game. He also hosted the Today Show a lot. He guest hosted for Johnny Carson on The Tonight Show. No kidding. Yeah, I remember. I may. I don't remember if I saw him live, but I remember seeing clips of him being witty enough to be able to sit in for Johnny Carson on the Tonight Show, which is pretty cool. That is impressive. Uh, he hosted a lot of game shows as well, the Westminster Dog Show, even called wrestling for a while. <laughs> wow! No kidding. <laughs> uh, Gary Giola received the Ford C. Frick Award in 1991 from the National Baseball Hall of Fame, the first former player to be inducted into that wing of the Hall of Fame. His son Joe Jr. went on to be the GM of the Diamondbacks from 1997 through 2005 and is still involved with the franchise. So there you go, Joe Gargiola. I asked you some trivia last week, Mark, not involving the, the Mets and the Yankees, but I ask you, what is the longest streak of games in which a player was hit by a pitch? Right. Any idea? Um, six? What? <laughs> what? How did you come up with six? Well, you know that a guess is a legitimate mathematical theorem, uh, and that's what I used. Well, six is 100% correct. <laughs> Total guess. Right on. I'm very proud now. Uh, but uh, so, yes, that is the longest. Uh, I also wanted to know who did it. I don't believe I phrased that question to you right there as to who did it, but it was Carlos Quinton. Oh, okay. I wouldn't have guessed that one. Uh, Yeah, so Carlos Quinton, yeah, kind of a more uh, contemporary player to do that. In 2008, got hit by a pitch at least one time for six games in a row. But it's kind of easy to see why, because in those six games, 
He had an OPS of 1.184. Wow. Yeah, so he was he went 4 for 18, hit 3 home runs, had 4 RBIs, walked twice as well. He was on fire for the Chicago White Sox at that point. So, <laughs> man, I guess so. Wow. Uh, the second longest streak after that, there's a whole bunch of players that got hit in four games in a row. Uh, some of them more recent. Uh, Victor Robles just last season got hit four games in a row. Hmm. As did Justin Turner. Wow. Both of those last year. Kind of kind of odd. But there yeah. you go. So that that's the that's the longest streak is, is six. Uh, OK, so I got a new trivia question for you. And now this is right up our alley. So as people might know, if you've listened to our show, both Mark and I work in production in Major League Baseball. Mark works for the Seattle Mariners. I have as well. I kind of work for a bunch of different teams now. In what year, Mark, and what team was the first electric scoreboard ever used during a baseball game? You know, I should know that. I really should. Um, I would be shocked if you did, though. Really? Electric? Uh, let me see here. Wrigley Field. No. I, as I like to say, that is definitely an answer. Okay. I will, I will let you think about it a little bit longer, maybe try to come up with a year. I will tell you next week. Where, in what year, and what team the first electric scoreboard was used? I'm kind of ruling, surprising. I'm ruling out Jacobs Field. <laughs> you can do that. Okay. You can. I will let you. I will let you X-nay that one. All right. So we've got uh, we've got a good show for you today. Let's uh, let's let the ground screw come out and do their thing. We have got another guest. We have got another former major league player. As has been the case when we have ma former Major League players, that means a lot of really interesting stories about a lot of names that we tend to talk about quite a bit on this show, which is great. Also, uh, it's always fun to play Wax Packs Heroes with former Major League players because they usually have stories about most of the guys that we pull out because they've met a lot of them or played with them or gambled with them, played golf, whatever. But uh, today we have former Major Leaguer Shane Monahan was nice enough to join us. And uh, we got to talk with him about a whole bunch of different subjects, as well as play Wax Packs Heroes. So without further ado, let's talk to Shane. So Shane Moynihan is, a, is an interesting guy. He comes from a family of NHL royalty. His father played for seven years in the National Hockey League. His grandfather is a Hall of Famer who is considered one of the innovators, if not the inventor, of the slap shot as we know it today. And his great-grandfather is also enshrined in Toronto. As a big hockey fan myself, uh, that opens up a lot of questions, especially having worked for a short-lived NHL team in Atlanta, where he grew up. But uh, he was also a member of the big leagues of the, uh, with the Seattle Mariners in the late 1990s. So we'd like to welcome to the show Shane Moynihan. Shane, thanks for joining us today. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. So uh, let's talk about uh, let's talk about some baseball. Um, you went to uh, you went to high school in Atlanta. And uh, were actually drafted by the hometown Braves, but you decided instead to go to Clemson. What? Uh, how? First of all, how tough was that? I, I don't know if you were a big Braves fan while you were there, but how tough was that to to avoid being drafted? Well, not avoid, but not signing with so, the hometown team. Uh, super easy. I grew up a New York Yankees fan um, in Atlanta, so I love Don Mattingly. Yeah, he was my favorite, one of my favorites growing up. So Yankees were, were the squad. Um, I was thrilled just to be drafted. So um, I went, got drafted, came in, 
they offered me some money. It wasn't a whole lot. My scholarship pretty much tripled what they had offered signing bonus-wise. So that was an easy decision to go to Clemson. And truthfully, I I wasn't mentally mature nor physically mature to jump in and take on kind of the the rigors of of pro sports and, and being away. I mean, you know, I played on a I played in the East Cobb Baseball Travel Organization, which I traveled, but my parents were still kind of with us, so I've really never been away from home. And I, I just felt it was important that I needed to go do all that. So that decision was was made pretty quickly. So while you were at Clemson, you you wrote a lot of records there, some of which you know are still standing today. An All American a couple of times, regional MVP at the College World Series. I want to talk about, though, you played in the summer of 93, you played in the premier summer league for college athletes, the Cape Cod Baseball League for the Yarmouth-Dennis yeah. Red Sox. Can you tell us about your time at the Cape Cod League? Oh, awesome, awesome experience. Um, really left Clemson. We got beaten in a regional and um, had like two days to pack my bag, leave school, go to Atlanta, pack up, hop in a car with my teammate, and we drove to the Cape League. And um, it just, you know, I hadn't really ever hit the wood, so I didn't really know what to expect. And fortunately for me, I had a manager that had managed the Cape Cod League for several years named John Barlow. And amazing, he was an amazing baseball guy. You know, I, I hit pretty well my freshman year, and I, I come into this league, and I'm like, dude, it's not going to be that hard. And <laughs> I really struggled. I mean, the first week, week and a half, and he, he said, hey, are you open to, you know, working on something? I said, well, sure. I mean, because nobody really ever talked to me about hitting. I was just always able to hit. He said, there's no there's no hand load. You're just kind of hitting like an aluminum hitter. You're just dead-handed. I was like, well, show me what you mean. And he showed me, and I started working on it. And, like, the difference that he made in that. I mean, I think I ended up making the all-star team. I hit over – I think I hit around 320. I don't really remember. I know I was up in the threes. But – we had such a – it was just a fun summer, you know. Like we work in the morning. You have a host family. You get up and you, I was I was in charge of taking care of all the softball fields in the town. So I'd go mow the grass, line the field, drag them. I'd, I'd lay in the back of the truck and fall asleep for a couple hours. And then you get up and you go to the ballpark. I mean, what, what else is better in life at 19 than doing all that? So, Well, it, it, if, if – Hollywood has taught us anything. Summer catch, you know, has told us what life in the, in the Cape Cod League was like. But it Dude, sounds. <laughs> I just spit my water across the room with that reference. Summer catch. Oh my God. Um, yeah, nothing, nothing. I don't know if there was anything like that. Um, I mean, it was pretty serious for us. But I know a lot of scouts that scouted it. And, um, I mean, there was a lot of really good baseball players that came through. And, a lot of guys ended up from that year playing in the big leagues. You know, I know Veritech had gone back up. Jason Veritech had gone back up and played after being drafted. And Parra was up there. I mean, there was a lot of really good teams. It was competitive, but um, it, was, it was just a fun summer. It was a really cool summer. Did, did you have a, a particular coach or anybody uh, who really helped you out in instructional training? So... Um, I was introduced, my manager in Wisconsin was named Mike Goff, and he was as probably a tense a human as I've ever met. Um, was He was phenomenal. I love Mike Goff to this day. 
we kind of, he managed the way I played. Um, we got each other. And then in instruction league, he was a big infield guy. So Dave Brundy, um, Brundage, actually, I call him Brundy. He was my outfield coach. He was polar opposite, super mellow, super chill. He helped me with playing the outfield, but then became my manager for high A ball and double. And I made the jump. So, yeah, I would say those two guys, like, helped me tremendously throughout the minors. And then Brian Price, he he really, really opened my eyes about how pitchers could throw hitters in double A and how lefties would throw lefty, and I hit lefties. So I was constantly picking his brain. He and Dan Roan were the two guys that really helped me with hitting um, and understanding approach and what a pitcher was trying to do. So I had some pretty decent ones in the minor league. That's great. So do you remember – I, I'm sure you remember, but can you tell us about when you got the news the first time that you were you were going up to the big club? Yeah, sure. So we we're coming out of the All-Star break in 98. Coma was headed to Vancouver. We were going to go Vancouver. I believe it was Vancouver. We were doing a – it was a long trip. We had Vancouver for four, I think Calgary for four, and then Edmonton. We were kind of doing our Canada swing. And I was at the apartments across the street from the stadium – with my fiance and we were sitting around I had literally just gone. I was going to change it up because I was only hitting 250 and I went and got my hair, got it frosted. Like if you remember Mark McGrath, <laughs> absolutely. Like, okay. So he had like spiky hair and he had the blonde tips. Um, I was like, I'm going to go completely off the grid. So I went and got that done. Get back to my apartment. Fiance sitting on the couch. Agent calls me and says, you need to have your phone available. Uh, you're getting a call in the next hour, and I'm like, what? Like, what's going on? Benny Looper calls me and says, Mo, we got great news. You are being called up to the big leagues. Do not get on the bus to go play in Vancouver. You need to be down on the field in the next two hours. I'm like, panic mode? I don't even have a suit at this point in time. I don't own a suit. I don't have any. And I'm like, where do we wear to the field? And he's just like, just wear some khakis and a nice shirt. I'm like, all right, great. Hop in the car. Drive over to Tacoma, grab my gear. Um, thank God Rob, our clubhouse attendant, already had it packed up. He had already known, so he was, like, waiting on me. Thank God. Uh, my fiance had her car there, and I was just like, hey, this is game time. You know, she was like, do you think you're going to play? And I'm like, well, hell no, I'm not going to play. Like, Lou never plays a rookie. The first game he gets caught up, you always fit. <laughs> no big deal. So she's like, okay, I'm going to shower. I'll get ready, and I'll head that way. And I'm like, great. Tickets will be under your name. I'm doing about 100 down the highway. Like, oh, my God, okay, I'm going to miss BP. So I get there. Scott Gilbert has everything lined up. It's already in the locker. We're good to go. I'm using Jeff Houston's bats because my, none of my bats are there. You know, I mean, minor leagues, you're using just regular Louisville. So we had the same model. I grab his bats. I run out. Uh, Jimmy Moyer, Jeff Facero, a couple guys say hello. I jump in the group, the last group of BP. Sammy here, our first base coach, is throwing about 95 miles an hour. <laughs> I bunt two balls to warm up, and I'm like, oh, my God, this guy throws gas, which was great. It was great BP. I probably hit the best BP I had in the last three months. And I'm thinking, okay, BP's over. I can relax. I'm going to go in the clubhouse. I'll say hello to everybody. Um, and, and, you know, tonight I'll just ease in. So I pick up the phone. I start calling my parents. I can't get a hold of them. I'm trying my brother, my sister, my grandparents. Uh, my fiance is doing the same thing. So 
I don't even know if they knew, but she, my fiance, Alicia, uh, who later became my wife, ended up uh, getting a hold of everybody. I turn around, I look at the lineup card, and I'm like, that's got to be a mistake. I'm hitting the nine hole tonight. <laughs> so I call Alicia, and I'm like, hey, babe, I'm starting. And she was like, oh, my God, are you kidding me? And I'm like, no. Like, I'm starting in the lineup, hitting nine hole, playing left field. She's like, I'm going to throw up. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm pretty much there with you. <laughs> so, um, Jay Peter comes over and says hi. A couple of guys that I've been in spring training with said, hello, how are you? I was trying to follow the rule. Rookies don't talk. They're only seen, not heard. Keep your mouth shut. Just So, I was kind of looking into my locker the whole time. Randy Johnson came over and said hello. Um you know, Steve Smith, our third base coach, was giving me the signs. Um, you know, so, yeah, like I'm sitting there literally in a bathroom stall praying. And um, I, it was just happening so fast. I mean, we're facing the Angels. We're facing Omar Oliveris. I was trying to be uber selective, which was not always in my nature. Um, <laughs> you know, I like to swing the bat. I strike out twice, kind of looking. And, um, my third AB, I was walking out with base load. And I'm like, you know what? I'm not, I'm, I'm going to be me. I'm coming out hacking. And, um, I hit a double in the left end gap. Uh, we scored two runs. And then the next AB off of Pep Harris, I had a single for another two RBIs. So our, yeah, I think that was two or four, four RBIs in my first game. My buddy at first base was Darren Erstad. We had played against each other. We played on an, um, the 94 national team. Um, he was like, dude, you're making it look easy. And I'm like, whatever. Like, you're Darren Erstad, bro. You're like, you're amazing. So that was my, that was my like first game. And then, you know, like I was nervous because the media wanted to talk and I was the new guy. And I was like, oh my God, I don't, I'm nervous. Like, I don't want to be that guy. I'm a rookie. I just started. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to be crazy. So yeah, it was just crazy. It was so fast. It happened so fast. It's funny because I, I ask that question all the time and I always have the answer about the, the debut, you know, your first game. And I, I, I write it down every time and I never need to say anything because everybody knows every detail about that first game and yeah, those first hits. It's just, um, it's crazy because like you work so hard to get there and it's like your dream since you've been a kid and it's so fast, but you remember, I mean, I can remember my first several games. I think game two, I didn't start because it was um, Chuck Finley on the mound, so lefty on lefty. And, um, like, game three, I started against Steve Sparks and got another three hits. And, then I mean, I was, like, I got out of the gate. It was great. I mean, I was hitting the ball, playing good defense. I mean, I was having fun. Like, I didn't think about anything. It was it was good. But, yeah, that the first one, like your first prom date, right? You always remember every detail about that first girl that said yes. So, so your third game, Steve Sparks was a knuckleballer, wasn't he? Yeah. Yep. So your third, your your second game in the major leagues, and you're facing a knuckleballer. Yeah. And you go three for four. <laughs> yeah, it was. Um, I mean, I had faced a couple of knuckleball guys in the minor leagues, and I just remember a couple of things like you know, and Ken Griffey Jr. was a you know, he said, look, if it starts at your chest, swing. If it starts at your waist, let it go because it's going to drop. Um, plus, you know, faster turf. I hit the ball on the ground up the middle a couple times and I was, you know, I could leg it out. So it was good. It was fun. So that was your first major league game, your first major league hit. What about your first home run? Do you remember that? Oh yeah. Uh, John Watson from Florida state. I had faced him when I was in college 
Um, I think it was Boston. We were playing Boston in the Kingdome. Um, I know we were in the eighth inning, and it was a tie ball game. And I think I hit a two-run or a solo shot to right field in the second second row, um, and it bounced back um, back into Darren Bragg, who I thought was like a bomb when he was with Seattle. Um, and I was in the Meyer leagues real quick. We, we had known each other from Georgia tech and Clemson, but, but he was like, awesome. He was super nice guy. I mean, he basically threw the ball back in for me, but yeah, totally. I remember the fireworks going off in the kingdom and I was flying around the bases and <laughs> I was like, Oh my God, I just hit my first big league home run. Like I'm going to hit a thousand of these. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Only got three more and we're good. <laughs> no that you're right on i've got i've again i i got it written down here but i never need it but uh, yeah it was a two-run shot off of wasd and, and baseball reference has it it said deep right field ah well maybe that, it was deep i don't we, know <laughs> i really didn't all i walked was it it just cleared and i was like flying i was like act like you've been here act like you've done this uh, certainly don't give Jay Buhner anything to rag you on because he was like Jay, <laughs> Jay Buhner was like the best. Like, he could rag on you like the best. Do you still have that ball? I do. I do. Absolutely. Shane, did, what was uh, the difference between the biggest difference you saw between AAA and the rest of the minor leagues? Is the uh, level of talent that much better or are we just kind of a gradual sense moving up? No, I think I think for AAA when I was coming up, it was kind of the guys that had been in the big leagues uh, that were kind of on their way out. Um, AA had all the prospects. You know, you were getting three one fastballs. Guys were throwing hard. AAA, you were getting three one slots, three one changeups. Um, they were it, just a lot more veterans in AAA. Just you know, um, some guys were bitter at the world that they weren't in the big leagues anymore. Some guy, you know. Double A, everybody's trying to get to Triple A because we weren't we weren't calling guys up from Double A at that point in time. You were you had to kind of go through the the ladder, um, you know, to get your shot. But um, I, I mean, I faced a lot of ex big leaguers in Triple A, man, and it 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 opened my eyes. I mean, I was like, oh my god, I'm not going to get away with a whole lot. I mean, three one changeups, three one sliders. You're looking at the guy and you're like, are you are you for real? Like, what are you throwing, dude? <laughs> but um, that would be the big difference, I think. Okay. I, I recall you being a, a pretty emotional player, if I remember correctly. Uh, yeah. You did, you did yeah. not like to get out. <laughs> um, nope. and, and if you did, uh, you were going to remember it the next time through. Do you, I mean, you were an intense player, dude. Um, yeah. Do, do you think that um, – I don't know. Did you think that made you a better player or did it make you too, uh, maybe too hard on yourself or, or what do you think? It's an interesting style and I got to watch it. Yeah. Yeah. You got it. (laughs) You got to watch it for a long time. (laughs) (laughs) Um, well, I think it was my greatest asset. It was my greatest downfall. So, um, you know, you tow the edge and I tell all my players now because I own a hitting facility and I, I have a travel team, you know, being intense is good. Um, I wouldn't have been the player I, I ended up being if I wasn't intense and passionate, sure. but I also crossed the line and walked the line every game. Um, I think it would have served me better 
to be that inwardly intense person, but just kind of pace myself over the long haul of a season. Um, so, you know, just understanding that I was going to get 600 ABs, right. calm yourself down. Um, but, you know, I equate a lot of that to, I didn't fail a whole lot up until I got into the minor leagues. You know what I mean? Like sure. you hit 400 in college, you're not failing a lot. So it didn't, I didn't learn how to, I thought I was supposed to get two to three hits every damn game. Um, <laughs> I, I just didn't, I just didn't understand early on kind of the makings, you know, once I came back out of the big leagues and I was back in the minor leagues, I was a different guy. Like okay. I, 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 I played intense, but it was, it was more controlled and, and, you know, it, it wasn't the end of the world, you know, and, and, I, and I'll be honest in 99, my wife and I had a, a baby girl named Madison and she changed my, like she changed me the whole, every which way I was yeah. kindler, soft-spoken. Like it, it, I mean, baseball was kind of secondary for me. I mean, she was my world. So instead of throwing a bat, you would go and nestle it nicely into a bat tube and tell it, hey, we'll get them next time. <laughs> I wouldn't exactly say that I was like, <laughs> I mean, nope. I would, I would, I would put my, you know, I put my bat in the, uh, in the bat rack, put my helmet up, kind of keep to myself, go to the end of the bench, um, you know, maybe, maybe cuss underneath my breath or something. <laughs> um, okay. Okay. It wasn't quite as like every at bat where I was like Lenny Dykstra, right? And it was like you're going crazy. So oh, yeah, no. I picked my spots. I picked my spots a lot more, and it was it was less frequent. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. So I want to talk about a. Uh, I want to talk about a really about a week, maybe a week and a half in August of 1998. Yeah. And hearing that you, the hearing that you were a Yankee fan, this you know is even bigger. Yeah, you went on a a, a bit of a tear. Yep. starting uh, August twenty third, uh, you had two games against the White Sox, and then headed out on the road to Cleveland and New York. Where during this stretch, you went eleven for twenty four with eight RBIs and a couple of home runs, including just some huge games at Yankee Stadium. Yeah, which I've got to imagine had to have been you know being a Yankee fan that that must have just been a mecca. Can, what did it feel like? Is that is that the zone? It is. I mean, I can go back. I mean, I don't know the exact details, but I think, like, in those games, I think I faced Jack McDowell with the White Sox, and then I faced Hernandez with the White Sox, and then it was, like, Charles Nagy, Jarrett Wright, um, and then you get into – I remember vividly Yankee Stadium because I tell everybody. I can't tell you how many wiffle ball games I played in my backyard where I was Don Mattingly playing the Mets, uh, Yankee Stadium, you know, Shea Stadium. And all of a sudden, here I am. I, I got there like seven hours before everybody. I walked the stadium. I walked the stands. I looked at the – I just – I studied everything about Yankee Stadium. And, you know, El Duque is, is pitching. I'll never forget it. I'm standing on the deck and 12-year-old kid, you know, hey, number 12, you suck. <laughs> um, and I, I just turned around. I smiled and I was like, what? Yeah, you know, I mean, I mean, he, he he dropped an f bomb in front of me. You know, I was like, "Wow, all right, like we're the United States. <laughs> and uh, they're like, "You know, nice numbers, Monahan." I'm like, "Yeah, all right. Well, I'm playing, and you're not." So, um, and then I don't remember if it was the first or second pitch. Uh, I remember it was a slider, like it was yesterday, and I hit it off the facade in right field. And I remember when I hit it, it was the only ball that I really ever hit that I never felt come off my bat. But I hit it and it had mm -hmm. a sound and I looked up and I said, oh my God, 
And I was running, and I kept watching, and I was like, oh, my God. And I watched it hit the, the, the upper level, and I was coming around first base. I got choked up. It was about the first time I'd ever gotten choked up on the field. I had realized at that point in time my dream had come true. Like, I was like, oh, my God, I'm in Yankee Stadium. I just went deep. I must have played a 1,000 games against my little brother being the Yankees. My dad was in the stands. Uh, my fiance is at home listening to the radio in Seattle. She's bawling. I just remember, like, oh my god! And by the time I got to third base, I was like, I gotta, I gotta like suck this up. I can't let anybody see this. <laughs> um, yeah. And then the next day, I don't think I was in the starting lineup because Rich Amaral was playing left. He was at it, and I think Rich pulled his calf muscle, and I came in and I hit a ball to left field. I hit a home run to left field off of Andy Pettit. I was like, oh, my God, like, are you kidding? Like, what's going on? And then uh, I got Hideki Arabu. Like, it was, you know, I finally felt kind of a little bit like an Edgar Martinez. And not that I, I don't please, I'm, I'm not those guys, right? I, I was never, you're talking about Hall of Fame baseball players. But I understood for that brief moment of time what it felt like to be like a Ken Griffey Jr., an A-Rod, an Edgar Martinez, uh, maybe a Manny Ramirez or an Albert Bell, like where you just get locked in. And you're just seeing it so well, man. It, it was that was fun. That was fun. Do you know uh, I I've got here in front of me who you, I I guess you could say owned who 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 you hit <laughs> best against? Oh God, I, no idea. Um, oh, I think I hit Jared. Pretty Wright. good name. I think I hit Jared Wright pretty good, and I hit. Yep, you. Brad Racky really well. Yep, yep. Those are the, Brad Radke is. You went three for five with four ribs, and uh, Jerry Wright is second on that list. So yeah, no those kidding. are two right. two good guys. Yeah, yeah. And I think I, not to, I don't know. If, I don't know, man. I'm it's intrigued. I'm like that's crazy. You got all these stats. I know I hit Scott Erickson pretty well, and I can tell you who owned me. I can tell you who owned me, and it was Mike Mussina. Mike Mussina ate my lunch every day. Like I faced that guy, he owned me. No so, shame there, though. Yeah, that's no, it was so, it was so nasty. That curveball hit. It was so nasty, but um, yeah, I remember having success against Racky, and I remember um, hitting Jared Wright pretty well. Yep, and Dave Burba. Uh, oh, Dave, no, I'm sorry. Dave Burba was one of those other guys, uh, along with Mike Mussina, that uh, seemed to have your number. But uh, yeah, some some good numbers against some good uh, some good names there. Yeah, that's good. At least I did something. <laughs> you mentioned being heckled there in Yankee Stadium. I, I wanted to oh. ask, what what was it like playing in the outfield there? And what is the, I'm going to ask the funniest, not the meanest, but what's the, the funniest thing anybody ever yelled at you? So Yankee fans are abusive. They could put you in a psych ward very quickly. Uh, they do their research. <laughs> Man, <laughs> they had my mom's name. They had my wife's name. Uh, they had my sister's name. They were ripping on all of them. I had some quarters being thrown off my back. I don't, you know what? I don't remember at the time somebody being really funny because I was really pissed and it kept like motivating <laughs> me to keep hitting. And then we had, again, you know, in 98, we had a million pitching changes with the Mariners. I remember turning around and walking over to the wall instead of going to center field and like the head heckler. And I was like, uh, you know, somebody, he looks down and he's like, you were born in Syos in New York? And I'm like, yeah. He's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. He's like a New Yorker, guys. He's like, we can't be getting on this kid. And I'm like, <laughs> and I'm like, and I just went with it. I didn't even argue with him. 
I was only there for like a year. I wasn't even going to say that, but I was there for like a year and I moved to Atlanta. So I was like, yeah, sure. I'm a New Yorker. So uh, <laughs> Absolutely. that's the funniest. That's pretty much the funny. And I, and I basically picked up the two bucks and I walked over to it that they threw at me. I said, Hey bro, you're going to need a lot more than I'm going to need it. And they all, <laughs> they all laughed. And then the rest of the time it was, it was fun. That was before smartphones, too. So yeah. it's not like they could just look up you on, on Baseball Reference or anything. They had to really do some research. They had, I think one dude had a baseball card where it said, you know, birthplace or whatever. And they figured out and it was like, I was in New York. And that's pretty much what saved me uh, the rest of the time in Yankee Stadium. <laughs> so you played for Lou Pinella, right? Yeah. Um, what, uh, what, uh, there, you've got to have some good stories about some. Just some some Lou being wacky, and then I've got to assume he had to have snapped a couple of times that were um, worthwhile. Lou was an interesting bird. Every spring training, if he knew your last name, you were in good. Like, you had a shot of making a team. <laughs> if Lou would say, how you doing, son? You were like, I'm getting sent down in the first, second time. <laughs> um, Lou, in 1998, I got married. 99, my wife gave birth to my daughter. 99 spring training, um, so it was November. So in 2000, spring training, we all got back together. And Lou said, hey, son, how was your wedding this offseason? And I was, Lou, that was two years ago. We had a daughter this offseason. He was like, ah. And I was like, great, I'm getting sent out. I'm like, done. Uh, I'll, never, I'll never see this field again. And I was in Cleveland for the infamous Lou Pinella slide into second base. Throw his hat, <laughs> kick his hat, kick it again, kick it again, and then he threw it in the stands, and the kid caught it and threw it back at him. That's right. And I cannot, That's one of the best. And I, ever. And I can't tell you that I was hitting. I backed out of the box. I went back in the on-deck circle. Joey Corner and I are dying laughing. Mike Jackson is on the mound, and he's all serious. And I can't tell you it took me four minutes to gain my composure because I was still laughing. Mike Jackson had to step off the rubber because he was laughing, because I was laughing. And I finally just threw my hands up. like, bro, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> but it was awesome. It was, like, totally great. Oh, that's great. I can just imagine that dugout when Lou finally came back down and had to walk down the tunnel. Everybody had to stay dead. Did you have to stay straight-faced until he got out oh, of sight? Oh, God, no. Like, Junior was ragging on him already. Junior was laughing at him. I mean, everybody was laughing at him. It was hilarious. Hilarious. <laughs> Did you play left field the entire time you were in the big leagues? Uh, no, I played some in right in 99. Jay had been hit, hurt, so okay. I, was, I had gotten moved over to right. But I, I came up playing center field, so I basically ended up playing all the outfield. No center, no center field up, uh, up in the bigs. <laughs> they had somebody – I think the Mariners had somebody there that was, that was good or they something. They had some dude that could barely hit. Oh, he yeah. was awful. I don't remember that. I kind of remember his name, but um, were, were you yeah. with the Mariners your full career? No. Mariners were 95 to 2000. Then I got traded to the Padres, traded to the Reds, traded to the Rockies. No, oh, geez. Pirates, Kansas City, and then finished up with the Yankees. Gotcha. So you get to move around at the end quite a bit, huh? Oh, my God. Yeah, I think I moved. Uh, we moved five times in one year, and after the third move, I just told my wife to go back to Arizona. Yeah, no doubt. in the off season. Speaking of moving, I, I've been I follow Don August, the the former pitcher on on Twitter, and he has been dropping some just great stories about his time 
really not even in the in the in the big leagues, but about uh, yesterday he was talking about time that he played baseball in Alaska. He had a great story about when he played in Mexico. Now you played some winter ball in Mexico, right? I did. I did. I played. Um, holy smokes! Where did I? I started in Guasave, Sinaloa, and then I got traded to Mazatlan, and I was like, oh my god! Like I'm the only dude in the Mexican history of the winter league that got traded. After three weeks of the season. And that was after I got trained and moved around five times during the regular season. So I'm like, what is wrong with me? But I will tell you, thank God, because Wasabi was in the middle of Mexico. It's an armpit. Drug cartels everywhere. And then I go to Mazatlan, and I'm like, oh, my God, I'm on the beach. Mm-hmm. And it was pure heaven. Man, that sounds awesome. Yeah, so Don was telling a story that they were on a bus trip and they actually had to turn off all the lights. And it was at night they were traveling. They had to turn off all the lights because they were going through cartel country. And if they got stopped, they were going to get robbed. I mean, yeah. was it, was it, it <laughs> like I don't, that? I didn't ever go through like that fear, but I can tell you the bus that we were on had beds in the back and the Americans got first crack at those beds. But like, we had a good group. Like, I mean, we kind of, I don't know. We kind of felt like, you know, a holes. If you take a bed every time. So we would rotate who was getting them, but some long bus rides. I mean, it, we didn't get off the bus when we stopped at the rest areas. I mean, it was, it was somewhat touch and go, but I, I can tell you when they give you that, that check and it's all cash, that goes out the window. You're like, all right, well worth it. What? Uh, this is another question I like to ask people. What was the first thing you ever got fined for in kangaroo court? Oh, dude. I mean, I, I can't even. Let's see. Do we have kangaroo court in A-ball? Cause, no. Maybe. I, I, dude, I got. I owed so much money. I paid so much money in kangaroo court. <laughs> um, I'd probably say it was in Lancaster. It was in Lancaster, California, and the promo team had had a table set up down in the dugout and I think I had just struck out for the hat trick and I came down and I pretty much like slammed my fist right through the table and all their pops <laughs> and all of their crap went everywhere. Uh, <laughs> I'm still friends. Her name, her name was Rhonda McGarvey. She was our promo gal there. I'm still friends with her. She reminds me all the time about it. She was like, I just thought you were the coolest guy and so nice. And then I thought you were the biggest a-hole after you did that. And I was like, yeah, pretty much part of the course of my career. Um, I was like, you either loved or hated me, right? I mean, it is what it is. But um, I think I got, yeah, I was like 50 bucks. Um, wow. I will tell you the best In A-ball. I'll, I'll tell you this. The best fine I ever got. Now, remember, I, I signed... So I, I made some decent money signing bonus-wise. Now, I'll tell you this. I was in Rockford, Rockford, Illinois. It was my second week of pro ball. I, legit, I was not playing that game. I walked on the concourse after the first inning, go to the concession stand in full uniform. I bought a Coke and a hot dog, sat in the clubhouse and ate it, walked back out and sat on the bench for the rest of the game, and I thought I had gotten away with it. I didn't know you weren't allowed to do that. I didn't know that was like a league rule. <laughs> Okay. And my manager, by the time I got on the bus, he was like, Hey, jackass. And I'm like, what's up? And he's like, did you seriously go to the concession stand and buy a hot dog and a soda? And I'm like, well, yeah, I'm it, dude. Like I wasn't playing. And he was like, you realize that's against league rules. You're going to get fined like 25 bucks. And I'm like, okay. And he's like, and I got to find you for the, and I'm like, what do you mean? You got to find me. 
Like, come on, dude. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, he fined me 50 bucks. Most expensive damn hot dog I ever had. <laughs> but That's never, pretty hilarious. Never, uh, never did it again. All right, Shane. So what we like to do uh, now uh, at this time is uh, if you would like to, I've got a pack here of the oldest pack I've got is a 1991 score. So it's 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 before you were in the big leagues. Uh, yeah. And actually, this is when you were in, in college still. But uh, this should probably have some guys that you've probably played with or, you know, know or have met. So if you like, this is a, a part of the show that we call Wax Packs Heroes. Gotta pull a wax back hero. And uh, we're going to go ahead and open this pack up. And if you've got anything to tell us about any of these players, that's great. Um, and we'll total this up using our 1992 uh, <laughs> Beckett's. So we've got some value to it. We do have a couple of extra rules, though. Okay. Um, if any of these players are wearing a mustache, you get an extra cent. Because that was a thing in in the late 80s, early 90s. Everyone seemed to have a mustache. Uh, True. If we can see that you're wearing real stirrups, you get an extra cent. Uh, if they're wearing the two-in-one stirrups, though, it's a minus a cent. And then finally, if uh, they're a Hall of Famer, you get an extra five cents. So it, it, it helps us build that value up a little bit because we're not getting rich off these cards. <laughs> So let's uh, let me go ahead and grab this pack, and uh, we'll see what we get. Fire away! Give me some. I need some Consecos. I need some Maguires. Yeah. So this set, uh, the 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 ninety one score, there is a Conseco in here that is a uh, dollar twenty five, which yeah. is the big card in this set. Yeah. Well, there's a Griffey Junior, a special Griffey that's two twenty five, but. Um, I, I, I would be surprised if we pull any of those, but let's see no, what we get. Not going to happen with my luck, dude. I'm going to get like. <laughs> well, here, you're going to start off with a good uh, good pitcher for the Braves, right-hander Ken Merker. Kent. Kent, Kent Merker. Kent Merker. Oh, yeah. Did I say Kent? Yeah. I'm sorry. That's Kent, Kent was Merker. left-handed, wasn't he? Lefty with Correct. the Braves. He was around when I. He was around for the Braves for a long time. Um, yeah. I've met him at a golf tournament. Did not face him and did not play against him, but I met him at, a, at the the local golf tournament down in Atlanta one year. Good dude. Super good cool. guy. Cool. Well, he's, he's not going to help you out here, though. His card is not worth anything. And I hate to say this, but he's wearing two-and-ones. So that's actually a minus one cent there. <laughs> but since we're just starting out, I'm, uh, we'll, we'll, look, we'll, we'll look past it because we don't want to go into the negatives. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I got I to tell you that my like, stories at least got me like, you know, some of the funny stories I said have got, at least got to keep me positive there. I mean, come on. <laughs> See, uh, I next, we've got... Yeah, well, it's only one card here. Next, we've got first baseman DH for the Baltimore Orioles, Randy Milligan. Randy nope. Milligan. Don't know Randy. Heard of him. Don't know him. Yeah, I remember he's just, uh, he's a big power guy. Kind of your typical DH. Yeah. Uh, he does have a mustache there, so that is going to get you on the board. Oh, man, that's one, one cent. <laughs> Uh, this is a guy we've, well, Mark and I both have some stories about uh, this guy that's kind of embarrassing for both of us. But at this point, Cleveland Indians legend Keith Hernandez. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Oh, Keith. The old, the old St. Louis uh, first base. But I now, I saw him in the clubhouses. Um, I think he was working for TV. If I'm mistaken, I think he had jumped in with the Mets TV yes. group. Yep. So I, I, I had yep. met him, but I, again, never played against him. But I, I, I have met him. Yeah, I had a he I had a bit of a run in with him last year. That's pretty amusing. So. Oh boy! <laughs> oh boy! I I likewise have embarrassed myself in front of him. Uh, both both Mark and I have Mark still does work for the Mariners, so we we are oh, okay. on the broadcast uh, level, and uh, we've both uh, had some experiences with Keith. Um, I really don't remember him playing for the Indians at any point. Obviously, this is the end of his career, but uh, he's got a mustache as usual. He's definitely got real stirrups. That's yeah. some points. Dude, I'm and, adding him uh, up now, but, bro. Let's go. Yeah, look out. <laughs> the card, though, is not worth anything uh, beyond that. But that's oh. that does bring your total up to three cents. All right. Uh, now, here you've got a Hall of Famer, so this is good news for you. He's yeah. got a mustache, and he's got real stirrups, so that's good right off the bat. Yeah. It is Dave Winfield. Ooh. Oh, I mean. That's yeah. five points. That's Mr. Padre. I mean, come on, dude. Besides Tony Gwynn. I mean, that guy. <laughs> um, I, again, didn't play against Dave Winfield. He was done by the time I broke in. Um, they had, um, I want to call it Old Timers Day, so we'll just call it Old Timers Day. But, uh, Veterans back, Day. Veterans Day. Thank you. Back in Yankee Stadium when I was there in 98, he was there. I could not believe how big he was. Um, yeah. And he knew my grandfather. So um, I just I just said, I think you know my grandfather's been with Jeffrey on. I had a signed autograph baseball from you when I was a kid. Awesome meeting you. And then I just ran off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, rem- I ran into him at the airport one time. And, you know, I am not a large man, <laughs> but he just yeah. towered over yeah. me. But he's yeah, a big, I, Dave. He's a big dude. I love Dave Winfield. So that card is worth three cents, but he's got the mustache and the stirrup, so that's an extra two cents, and he's a Hall of Famer. So that ends up being a 10-cent card for you right there. So what's the biggest total? Who's collected the most money so far? So on our list here of guests, it's actually an author that's got a book that just came out. His name is Brad Belukchim. And the premise of his book was he opened a pack of 1986 Tops. And then he went around the country and he went and spoke to everybody that was in that pack. Oh, wow. So he actually brought his own pack of 86 tops and we opened that. And uh, he really, I think it was the Vince Coleman card was his big, did all the damage there. But it was only a dollar and eight cents. So we're not dealing with. I got a long way to go. Yeah, but that Winfield, that Winfield got you some points there. Yeah, that's good. I'm just doing for competitive skills, so. All right, carry on. Next card. Next. Wait, wait. you're not going to throw the cards, are you? No, I'm good. Okay. All right, so next we've got, this is uh, one of Mark's favorite players, uh, first baseman for the Houston Astros, Glenn Davis. I love Glenn Davis. Oh, yeah, G. Davis. Stud back in the day. Right-handed power hitter. Yeah. He was awesome. Yeah. Um. No, don't. I remember watching him play. Never met him. I uh, just remember he was super strong, well built. Yeah, and that's that's all I got for you. So this card is a kind of an artsy card. It says Master Blaster. Oh, all right. Um, unfor- 
Unfortunately, not worth anything in Beckett's, but he does have a mustache and he does have stirrups. So that'll give you two cents and bring you up to 15 cents. Uh, this, uh, not a Hall of Famer, but I, this card has got to be great anyway. It is a 1990 highlight card. This guy hit four straight home runs for the Kansas City Royals. It is Bo Jackson. Oh, my God. Um, so, met Bo Jackson on his Veterans Day, Kansas City, in 1999. He was back when they were doing, like, the all-time greats. Couldn't be a more humble human being. Uh, like, amazing guy. Amazing guy. Um, yeah, he, I never got to play against him. But, um, yeah, he was... He was like the legend. Yeah, Bo Jackson is is great. So that card is worth four cents. Uh, he does have the real stirrups and he does have the mustache. So, Bo Jackson uh, with a mustache. You... What? That's what it looks like. Well, you know, yeah, that is kind of weird, isn't it? That's got to just be a shadow. I'm. I, I'll take I gotta I'll take the mustache, bro. No, without <laughs> further review. Without further review. No, I'm I'm zooming in on it here. So if you're if if uh, for our our fans watching on YouTube, uh, that is yeah, there is no mustache there. That's just a shadow. I apologize. All right, all right. And I especially apologize to Bo because that's and he's card number four twenty. So he's got that going for him as well. Uh, right. There. <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, next. Uh, now, we just talked about this guy on, on our last show, catcher for the Blue Jays, who happens to hold the second longest postseason hitting streak of all time. It is Pat Borders. Oh, man. Pat Borders. Um, never met him. Watched him play. Um, guy was an animal. Big chew. He just got out. <laughs> yes. Like, yeah. a mullet. He was a dude. Like, he was a dude. He was. He was a tough guy. Yeah. Like, I remember that team. Like, yeah. Um, Jesse Barfield, Pat Henkin, uh, Kelly Gruber. Um, um, who was it? Uh, was it Juan, so- Juan Sosa? Not Sosa. Was, uh, George I Bell. Had, uh... had George Bell. Lloyd Mosby. Oh, my God. Lloyd um, Mosby. Dave yeah. Steeb. Yeah. Oh, I mean, that, that was, was it. We had Mag- McGriff was it. McGriff was at first, even I think at that point, wasn't he? That team loaded. Was it Vernon Wells in center? No, that's 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 later. It was uh, I thought I thought Mos- Mosby was Mosby in was, Oh, he was in center. Okay. Yeah, yeah so then he was yeah. flanked by Pat Bor- I know he's got a mustache, and I know. Uh, tell me, he's got a mustache. I I don't see a mustache there. I see the chaw, but I don't see the oh. mustache. <laughs> you know, he he's one of those guys that his uniform would be dirty before the game because he always had that big, big yeah, the, all that chew. It. Yeah, Lenny Dykes, yeah. man, everywhere. I just uh, my my favorite Pat Border story is just Ricky Henderson running roughshod over him in the in the ninety <laughs> ALCS, and Pat just stopped throwing to second, and Ricky would just go in standing up stealing bases because Pat Borders knew he couldn't get him out. Yep, but. Uh, yeah, Pat Board is a tough guy. Um, unfortunately, though, that card is not worth anything, but that's a good-looking card. He's oh, in the middle of a swing there. That's killing me. All right, well, you'll get at least a, a, a penny out of this one. We got pitcher lefty for the Phillies, Pat Combs. No. Yeah, I, I don't have anything on Pat, Pat Combs. <laughs> Who did he play for? The Phillies at this point. Yeah, yeah. I, I, you'll All ask right, me on sorry, that one. Pat. 
Sorry, Pat. <laughs> uh, you'll get day. one set though. He's wearing he is wearing stirrups, so that's good. Uh, this guy we talk about quite a bit. We love telling stories about this guy. First baseman for the Minnesota Twins, <laughs> Kent Herbeck. Oh, yes. The Tyrannosaurus Rex guy, dude. He yes. Was, exactly. I <laughs> uh, watched him play when I was in high school. Guy could swing it. He's a big dude. Great hands around first base. Um, I met him. What were they doing? We were in Minnesota. Um, I had met him. I think they had a brief reunion. And uh, he and Kirby Puckett were around, and I was like, Kirby Puckett was a dude for me, so I was kind of like in awe. Um, but yeah, Pat Herbeck, man, awesome, good player. Yeah, good old T-Rex is, uh, I can't, I know he's wearing real stirrups, but I can't see him, and he doesn't have a mustache. And for some reason, Kent Herbeck, especially in 92, is not worth anything. Can you think? Oh. That's you think we can talk the Mythbusters into recreating the Ron Gant dive back to first? Yeah. clearly lifted the leg but uh, i think he still denies it to this day yeah uh all right now we got a pitcher uh, a a brother of a hall of famer it is ramon martinez for the dodgers ramon had his heyday yeah i remember him yeah he was he was definitely a a good player yeah he just uh, he was a good pitcher and he did something to his arm he got hurt um and then Pedro came along and was like, oh, wow, he's good, too. Yeah. I remember, I remember so, him. Mm-hmm. Uh, that card is worth uh, three cents, plus he's got a mustache. Four cents. So that'll, that's a four center there. So Ramon Martinez is worth more than Kent Herbeck and yeah. Pat, uh, Pat Borders. Go figure. What's going on? Uh, next, we've got shortstop for the Kansas City Royals, Kurt Stillwell. Can't say that I've ever heard of Kurt. Sorry, Kurt. Stillwell was bounced around a lot, if I remember correctly. He was solid middle infielder, but couldn't hit. Yeah, and every I swear, every baseball card of his, because he was a middle infielder, is him jumping over somebody to turn a double play. <laughs> and it's no different here. It's a great card. He he takes great That's cards. His but speciality um, was jumping over players while turning a double play. That must be. So no value, but he does have real stirrups, so you will get one cent there. Now I, I will tell you in our top ten list, the number ten at the bottom is Mariners PA announcer Tom Hudler with thirty four. So you got eight cents to break the top ten here. Uh, and you've got five cards left to do it. Let's do it. Um, another Astro, another guy that uh, would put up some good uh, some good power numbers, Glenn Wilson. Oh, Glenn Wilson, yeah. Oh, huh. nope, not familiar. Mustache? Sorry. Yep, definitely well, has I'll a mustache. one point there, Shane. Yeah, um, good job. But I appreciate a- you. Apparently, the Astros uh, in the 91 season were going crazy with the two-in-one stirrups, though. Oh, no. Yeah, because that's going to wipe it out there for Glenn. Maybe it's just if you're named Glenn and you're on the Astros, you wear the two-in-ones. But, uh, yeah, so unfortunately, that one's not worth anything. Uh, Next is another Astro, again wearing the (laughs) two-in-ones. But you might get some value from the card alone here. It is Ken Caminiti. Uh Oh, Oh one of my all-time favorites. Oh, my God. Dude. get. do I get points because I know him? Like, I'm in? Like, this is one of of my guys. If you've got a story, let's see. Yeah, let's let's hear a story. Okay. So, 
Ken Caminiti is with the San Diego Padres. He and Greg Vaughn are like super tight. They're boys, right? Caminiti is driving from San Diego to spring training on his, his motorbike. It breaks down halfway between between Yuma and Phoenix. Oh, he boy. calls his Ooh. wife and says, call a tow truck. Greg Vaughn happens to be driving by in his car, picks him up and takes him the rest of the way. He left his motorcycle on the side of the road. But and between Yuma and Phoenix, I, I lived in I lived in Arizona for a while. There's not a whole lot going on there's there. Nothing. There's nothing there. So and then Caminiti, I'd watch him hit during BP in the beginning, early days of spring training before the game, and he just had this big goatee, and he was just scary. But he was the nicest man I'd ever. He was always like Shane, "What's up, bro? How are you? Uh, good dude, great dude." So that's my story. Great guy. Yeah. The time I spent with Caminiti, not very much, but boy, was he a sweet guy. Just the ni- he, nice guy. He, he, I asked him to sign up. Yeah, very soft spoken. I asked him to sign a couple of baseballs. He goes, let me put my stuff in my locker, then I'll come back out and sign. And he went inside, and I went, yeah, well, I fell for that one again. Nope, door opens up. There he is. What you need me to sign, son? Yep. Great guy. Yep. A good dude. Yep, very good dude. Unfortunately, though, <laughs> I don't know what's going on with score on this year, but that card is not listed in Beckett. Um, and he does have, he has those, those two and ones at the Astros. It's like banging garbage cans, uh, in the, in 91, the Astros just all wore stirrups, unfortunately. But, uh, so that's going to be a minus one set. I'm afraid. Uh, next, this is one of our favorite guys, uh, a former Marine, now a manager in Korea for the uh, Kia, uh, what I, the Kia Tigers, I, for some reason, I've forgotten what Kia is. Uh, but last year was the third base coach for the A's. It is Matt Williams with the Giants. Oh, yeah. Matt Williams. Like, World Series legend. I mean. That's right. Um, totally remember him. I met him in spring training. Shook his hand. Talked about Will Clark, who is my one of my top three all-time favorite players. Talked about Will nice. Clark like it's religion. But, yeah, Matt Williams, great guy. Great guy. Yeah, I'm. I'm a. I, I growing up, I'm an A's fan. I'm a big A's fan. So I growing up wasn't a big fan uh, because he was on the Giants. But ever since, uh, since you know, I've become smarter. <laughs> he is a great guy, a former Marine, smart baseball guy, a great fielder. I mean, he won a ton of Gold Gloves. Absolutely. Um, when did you become yeah. smarter? Yeah, well, relatively smarter. We'll just say <laughs> that. But uh, don't throw me off. That card is. <laughs> That card is worth three cents, so that'll that'll oh. bump you up to twenty eight cents. God, did I, have, I, have I broken the top ten yet? Am I in? No, thirty four is is the top oh. ten, and you're at twenty eight with two cards left here. Okay, you got a I shot. Got a here. Come on, Shane. I got, a, <laughs> I got a shot. So this is not a big card, but I loved this guy. Uh, I loved him when he was at the Yankees, in particularly. Uh, here he's with the Padres, third baseman Mike Palerulo. Palerulo. Oh yeah, Pags. Yes. The Italian yep. left-handed swinger. That's right. Yep. Absolutely. I don't have a story about him, but I, I remember playing him as a uh, wiffle ball in my backyard. No kidding. <laughs> yeah, it was him and Mattingly. And, I mean, I hit left-handed, so oh, I see Pags is one of the, my guys. I see. Sure. <laughs> so, Pegg's card's not worth anything, but he's got a mustache, as always, and he's definitely got real stirrups. Nice. So that'll bring you up to thirty cents. Thirty cents. Oh. Moving into your need, your final. We card. need how much to to not have last place? 
four cents to tie with Tom. Okay, we need a five cent card. Let's do a Hall of Famer. Yeah, now I've I'm gonna tell you, <laughs> it's Hubie Brooks with <gasps> the with the L.A. Dodgers. Well, he's in the Hall, right? Hubie, Hubie Brooks finished. <laughs> Hubie Brooks finished with uh, the Indians. I remember yeah, Hubie, I think Brooks. Hubie Brooks. He was on. I remember on the Expos as well. I think he kind of played everywhere. I met Hubie Brooks when I was a kid. My grandfather, obviously playing for the Montreal Canadiens, had huge ties to the Expos, and I believe I met him in Montreal when he was up there. Super good guy. Nice guy. Well, unfortunately, that that card is not worth anything. (laughs) And no mustache to speak of or or stirrups that we can see. So that'll bring your final total. It's a respectable 30 cents. I mean, when we open these packs... That's about average, so it's uh, it's it's a respectable total. But more than that, we just enjoy hearing people that that know these guys on these cards. It's a lot sure. of fun to to open these, right and uh, then we we send these cards to charity uh, that then distributes them to kids to get them interested in baseball. So cool, um, Shane. Thank you so much for joining us. This was so Absolutely. much fun. Uh, I can hear people t- taking some cuts back there. Do you want to tell everybody uh, about your your uh, hitting academy? Yeah, so um, early March, I just opened up a place in Bluffton, South Carolina. Um, batting cage, we got some pitching mounds outside. Uh, our front part of the business has got some soft toss nets and um, hitting, pitching, softball, catching. Um, and then we have our travel teams. Uh, running out of here great great luck with that we'll make sure to uh we'll make sure to put a link to uh where people can get a hold of you for things like cool. that in the show notes awesome. and uh, we really appreciate you uh joining us for a while and uh please uh hopefully we can talk to you again and yeah thank you anytime once again. anytime you need some comedy just call me so once again uh that was great want to thank shane monahan for joining us uh Again, check the show notes. Uh, we will have his contact information as well as information about his hitting academy. If you happen to be anywhere around him and have got kids, I think that would be a great. I, I would love to. Well, even as an adult, I'd love to go have a session with a former major leaguer. Tell me how awful I am. Yeah, but that's uh, that's great. Thank you very much, Shane. And uh, hopefully we'll talk to him again in the future. Thanks, Shane. Uh, we've got some uh, some things, just some uh, notes here to wrap up with. First of all, we'd like to thank all of our listeners, as always. Uh, we really appreciate it. If you wanted to get a hold of us in any way, shape, or form, there are plenty of ways to do it. You can find us on social media. We are at Two Strike Noise. That is at TWO Strike Noise on both Twitter and Instagram. If you want to see Shane Monahan's uh, Wax Packs Heroes, we put that up on YouTube usually every Thursday after the show drops. You can do that as well. Just look for Two Strike Noise on YouTube. Again, not Two Stroke Noise, because you're going to get motorcycles. <laughs> two Strike Noise. Yeah, we don't really do the motorcycle thing. Very, we do like one show a year, we we dedicate to motorcycles. <laughs> we, we do? That's it. Okay, well, nice, good to know. <laughs> uh, they can also get a hold of us. Some uh, people got us on the email here recently, Mark. How would uh, other people do that? That uh, would be at two strike noise. Spell it out T W O strike noise at gmail.com. That's right. If you would like to rate and review us wherever you're getting this podcast, that's always appreciated. Also, if you just want to tell some friends of yours about us, people still might be itching for some new baseball content. 
Um, that's the great thing about being a baseball history podcast is uh, it doesn't matter if baseball is being played or not. We have plenty to talk about. So uh, let people know about us. And uh, and and if maybe you don't like them. Maybe this is a way to get back at them. doesn't matter. <laughs> it Just doesn't have matter a listen. That's no, it doesn't matter. So uh, be sure to do that. We've got some uh, some interesting stuff in the works that uh, maybe we can talk about next week. Until then, uh, we certainly appreciate you joining us. We thank you again. We hope you stay safe, stay sane. And Mark, I'm not going to ask because we've already got another show done for next week. So I'm not going to ask if you're going to be back next week. Yeah, apparently I'll just see you here. All right. Sounds good, man. All right. So thank you to everybody. We will see you again next week on another edition of Two Strike Noise. Thank you. God bless you. Have a great day. Mm -hmm.